the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. JFK would never stop throwing up. Nope, if JFK came back from the dead and saw what was uh, happening to his party, he'd be heaving all over the place. All the radicals running for president, the anti-American rhetoric, the pandering. Remember, this is the guy who said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I mean, how many Democrats in Washington would want to hear that from somebody running for president right now? In a few minutes, I'm going to play a speech that JFK gave 57 years ago. And you should do yourself a favor and listen to all of it. I'll take up most of our segment, that the speech will take up most of the segment when we come back from the break here in a minute or two. It's a speech he gave at Rice University back in 1962. And when he said America would beat the Soviets to the moon, and he said we'd do it before the end of the decade, in case you've missed it. Um, the 50th anniversary of the first man on the moon is this Saturday, which means that exactly 50 years ago today, and at this minute actually, uh, they were on their way to the moon and the entire country was talking about it and rooting for them. Vietnam wasn't a really big story yet. JFK was beloved around the world. Uh, we were in the middle of a Cold War with the USSR. There was no cable news and no Twitter. There were two genders, male and female. And if you were Republican and disagreed with a Democrat, the Democrat didn't declare that you were a bad person. Immigration wasn't even a controversial thing. Maybe, even though it was only a Cold War, uh, maybe the, you know, the grown-ups felt like they had a common goal, you know, to beat the Soviets. Politics weren't as ugly back then. And if there were people opposed to us going to the moon, they didn't have Twitter or Facebook or Instagram to advertise it, and nobody cared about them anyway. When you listen to JFK, a Democrat, spend about 16 minutes talking about the greatness of America, just try to imagine a Democrat making that speech today. I think you'll enjoy it. We'll have it for you right after the break. Stick around. I'm here with Miracle League of Moons, Mike McGulick. Mike, I understand donations have slowed a little bit. How's progress? A lot of progress since we last talked. Obviously, it's never as quick as you want it to be, but we're happy with where we're going to be coming into the summer. You've broken ground on the field house. Foundations are going in, but the playground's been delayed. What's the plan? We'll continue to fundraise. We have a lot of great support. The community likes the project, so we're confident we'll get there in time to have the playground up for next year. But remember, every dollar you give today goes directly to fund the building of this state-of-the-art field for the kids with special needs. It'll be updated with ramping systems and different things so that individuals that have problems with their mobility will be able to get to the same spots that everyone else that easily can get to. Help keep the project on track. Visit miraclesinmoon.org with your donation today. Mike, as always, wish you good luck with this project. We'll be following it and you keep us updated, okay? I will. Thanks for all the support and Pittsburgh, thanks for helping. Give now at miraclesinmoon.org slash donate. Sponsored by Robinson Town Center, a Zamias Properties entity. What is a warrior? At Portersville Christian School, a warrior is more than a team name. Here, at their fully accredited K-12 grade Christian school, just 15 minutes north of Cranberry, a warrior is taught to serve, to passionately model the love of Christ toward neighbor, community, and world. A warrior is challenged to learn as they develop a strong work ethic, achieve academic excellence, and cultivate a lifelong love of learning. And a warrior is trained to lead through Christian character and integrity so they can impact the world for Christ by their example wherever God calls them. So, are you a warrior? Discover Portersville Christian School, a fully accredited K-12 grade Christian school just 15 minutes north of Cranberry, where warriors are made at OurPCS.org. That's O-U-R-P-C-S dot org. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. 
Earlier today, I was looking for some ideas to use in the show about the 50th anniversary of man, a man walking on the moon, our man walking on the moon, which is Saturday, and I came across this speech by John F. Kennedy. I decided to listen to the whole thing. It was in 1962 at Rice University. And after listening to it, uh, instead of taking clips from it, I decided to do something that doesn't happen in radio very often. With all the ugliness in politics today, I just thought it would make you feel good to hear this. All of it. And if it doesn't give you chills, you're probably a Democrat. I am delighted to be here, and I'm particularly delighted to be here on this occasion. We meet at a college noted for knowledge, in a city noted for progress, in a state noted for strength, and we stand in need of all three. For we meet in an hour of change and challenge, in a decade of hope and fear, in an age of both knowledge and ignorance. The greater our knowledge increases, the greater our ignorance unfolds. Despite the striking fact that most of the scientists that the world has ever known are alive and working today, despite the fact that this nation's own scientific manpower is doubling every 12 years in a rate of growth more than three times that of our population as a whole, despite that, the vast stretches of the unknown and the unanswered and the unfinished still far outstrip our collective comprehension. No man can fully grasp how far and how fast we have come. But condense, if you will, the 50,000 years of man's recorded history in a time span of but a half a century. Stated in these terms, we know very little about the first 40 years, except at the end of them, advanced man had learned to use the skins of animals to cover them. Then about 10 years ago, under this standard, man emerged from his caves to construct other kinds of shelter. Only five years ago, man learned to write and use a cart with wheels. Christianity began less than two years ago. The printing press came this year. And then less than two months ago, during this whole 50-year span of human history, the steam engine provided a new source of power. Newton explored the meaning of gravity. Last month, electric lights and telephones and automobiles and airplanes became available. Only last week did we develop penicillin and television and nuclear power. And now if America's new spacecraft succeeds in reaching Venus, we will have literally reached the stars before midnight tonight. This is a breathtaking pace, and such a pace cannot help but create new ills as it dispels old. New ignorance, new problems, new dangers. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. William Bradford, speaking in 1630 of the founding of the Plymouth Bay Colony, said that all great and honorable actions are accompanied with great difficulties, and both must be enterprised and overcome with answerable courage. If this capsule history of our progress teaches us anything, it is that man in his quest for knowledge and progress is determined and cannot be deterred. The exploration of space will go ahead, whether we join in it or not. And it is one of the great adventures of all time. 
and no nation which expects to be the leader of other nations can expect to stay behind in this race for space. Those who came before us made certain that this country rode the first waves of the Industrial Revolution, the first waves of modern invention, and the first wave of nuclear power. And this generation does not intend to founder in the backwash of the coming age of space. We mean to be a part of it. We mean to lead it. For the eyes of the world now look into space, to the moon and to the planets beyond. And we have vowed that we shall not see it governed by a hostile flag of conquest, but by a banner of freedom and peace. We have vowed that we shall not see space filled with weapons of mass destruction, but with instruments of knowledge and understanding. Yet the vows of this nation can only be fulfilled if we in this nation are first, and therefore we intend to be first. In short, our leadership in science and industry, our hopes for peace and security, our obligations to ourselves as well as others, all require us to make this effort to solve these mysteries, to solve them for the good of all men, and to become the world's leading spacefaring nation. We set sail on this new sea because there is new knowledge to be gained and new rights to be won, and they must be won and used for the progress of all people. For space science, like nuclear science and all technology, has no conscience of its own. Whether it will become a force for good or ill depends on man. And only if the United States occupies a position of preeminence can we help decide whether this new ocean will be a sea of peace or a new terrifying theater of war. I do not say that we should or will go unprotected against the hostile misuse of space any more than we go unprotected against the hostile use of land or sea. But I do say that space can be explored and mastered without feeding the fires of war, without repeating the mistakes that man has made in extending his writ around this globe of ours. There is no strife, no prejudice, no national conflict in outer space as yet. Its hazards are hostile to us all. Its conquest deserves the best of all mankind. And its opportunity for peaceful cooperation may never come again. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why, 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. It is for these reasons that I regard the decision last year to shift our efforts in space from low to high gear as among the most important decisions that will be made during my incumbency in the office of the presidency. In the last 24 hours, we have seen facilities now being created for the greatest and most complex exploration in man's history. We have felt the ground shake 
in the air shattered by the testing of a Saturn C-1 booster rocket, many times as powerful as the Atlas which launched John Glenn, generating power equivalents to 10,000 automobiles with their accelerator on the floor. We have seen the site where five F-1 rocket engines, each one as powerful as all eight engines of the Saturn combined, will be clustered together to make the advanced Saturn missile, assembled in a new building to be built at Cape Canaveral, as tall as a 48-story structure, as wide as a city block, and as long as two lengths of this field. Within these last 19 months, at least 45 satellites have circled the Earth. Some 40 of them were made in the United States of America, and they were far more sophisticated and supplied far more knowledge to the people of the world than those of the Soviet Union. The Mariner spacecraft... <laughs> the Mariner spacecraft, now on its way to Venus, is the most intricate instrument in the history of space science. The accuracy of that shot is comparable to firing a missile from Cape Canaveral and dropping it in this stadium between the 40-yard lines. Transit satellites are helping our ships at sea to steer a safer course. Tyrus satellites have given us unprecedented warnings of hurricanes and storms and will do the same for forest fires and icebergs. We have had our failures, but so have others, even if they do not admit them, and they may be less public. To be sure, to be sure we are behind, and will be behind for some time in manned flight. But we do not intend to stay behind, and in this decade, we shall make up and move ahead. The growth of our science and education will be enriched by new knowledge of our universe and environment, by new techniques of learning and mapping and observation, by new tools and computers for industry, medicine, and the home as well as the school. Technical institutions such as Rice will reap the harvest of these gains. And finally, the space effort itself, while still in its infancy, has already created a great number of new companies and tens of thousands of new jobs. Space and related industries are generating new demands in investment and skilled personnel. And this city and this state and this region will share greatly in this growth. What was once the furthest outpost on the old frontier of the West will be the furthest outpost on the new frontier of science and space. Houston. Your city of Houston, with its manned spacecraft center, will become the heart of a large scientific and engineering community. During the next five years, the National Aeronautic and Space Administration expects to double the number of scientists and engineers in this area to increase its outlays for salaries and expenses to $60 million a year, to invest some $200 million in plant and laboratory facilities, and to direct or contract for new space efforts over $1 billion from this center in this city. To be sure, all this costs us all a good deal of money. This year's space budget is three times what it was in January 1961 and it is greater than the space budget of the previous eight years combined. That budget now stands at $5,400,000,000 a year, a staggering sum, though somewhat less than we pay for cigarettes and cigars every year. Space expenditures... <laughs> space expenditures will soon rise some more from 40 cents per person per week to more than 50 cents a week for every man, woman, and child in the United States. For we have given this program a high national priority. 
even though I realize that this is, in some measure, an act of faith and vision. For we do not now know what benefits await us. But if I were to say, my fellow citizens, that we shall send to the moon 240,000 miles away from the control station in Houston, a giant rocket more than 300 feet tall, the length of this football field, made of new metal alloys, some of which have not yet been invented, capable of standing heat and stresses several times more than have ever been experienced, fitted together with a precision better than the finest watch, carrying all the equipment needed for propulsion, guidance, control, communications, food, and survival on an untried mission to an unknown celestial body and then return it safely to Earth, re-entering the atmosphere at speeds of over 25,000 miles per hour, causing heat about half that on the temperature of the sun, almost as hot as it is here today, and do all this, and do all this, and do it right, and do it first before this dictate is out, then we must be bold. I'm the one who's doing all the work, so uh, we just want you to stay cool for a minute. However, I think we're going to do it. And I think that uh, we must pay what needs to be paid. I don't think we ought to waste any money, but I think we ought to do the job. And this will be done in the decade of the 60s. It may be done while some of you are still here at school at this college and university. It will be done during the terms of office of some of the people who sit here on this platform. But it will be done. And it will be done before the end of this decade. And I am delighted that this university is playing a part in putting a man on the moon as part of a great national effort of the United States of America. Many years ago, the great British explorer George Mallory, who was to die on Mount Everest, was asked why did he want to climb it. He said, because it is there. Well, space is there. And we're going to climb it. And the moon and the planets are there. And new hopes for knowledge and peace are there. And therefore, as we set sail, we ask God's blessing on the most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked. Thank you. Yeah, that's a pretty good speech. Sorry. I, uh, that is just ridiculously well written. And perfectly delivered. And uh, if you really want to get an appreciation for it, you check it out on YouTube and watch him deliver it. No teleprompter. Now, he's reading from a script, but he's making a lot of eye contact. You just don't see that anymore. And uh, I'm sorry, but if, if that, as I said before I ran the, the uh, speech, if that speech doesn't give you chills, you're probably a Democrat. When we come back, speaking of the Democrats... They got their $15 federal minimum wage passed today in the House, and uh, we are going to hear from a guy who's going to tell you that that's not a very good idea. Stick around. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. There's more tensions between the United States and Iran today. President Trump says a U.S. warship destroyed an Iranian drone in the Strait of Hormuz. Mr. Trump says the engagement marks Iran's continued aggressiveness in the Persian Gulf. This is the latest of many provocative and hostile actions by Iran against vessels operating in international waters. Mr. Trump is calling on other countries to condemn what he says are Iran's attempts to disrupt the freedom of navigation and global commerce in the strategic waterway. Mr. Trump says the USS Boxer took action after the drone closed to within a thousand yards of the warship and ignored multiple calls to stand down. On Wall Street, the Dow up slightly today by two points to 27,222. The Nasdaq rose 22. The S&P advanced 10. Oil dropped a dollar 48 to 55.30 a barrel. This is SRN News. 
Morning Bullets is asking for the public to respond to a nationwide poll that could help shape political policy in 2020. This is your chance to be heard by the decision makers all the way up the chain. Their question, should the federal government provide free health care to illegal immigrants? Yes or no? Visit TrumpsPulseOnAmerica.com to let your voice be heard before the decisions are made for you. Medical services are guaranteed by the Emergency Treatment and Active Labor Act and require hospitals to provide care regardless of citizenship, legal status or ability to pay. The Federation for American Immigration Reform reported that medical expenditures for illegal immigrants was over $17 billion in 2017 alone. The decision is up for debate and the policymakers want to hear what the public thinks. Should the federal government provide free health care to illegal immigrants? Yes or no? Go to TrumpsPulseOnAmerica.com now to vote. That's TrumpsPulseOnAmerica.com. TrumpsPulseOnAmerica.com. Be heard. Dennis Prager is looking at the future of North Korea. If Kim Jong-un will give up a lot of his nuclear capabilities and in some way lighten up his totalitarian rule because flattery from the president of the United States goes a long way, then let him flatter this barbarian. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1250. The Answer. Are you worried that the next market downturn could rob you of your wealth and your security? Are you concerned that your lifetime may last longer than your life savings? You don't have to be. For over 30 years, Gary Hunt has advocated for strong retirement principles, helping families in Allegheny and Westmoreland generate more income while protecting their retirement funds. And Gary now offers retirement-minded savers and investors a free book so you can better understand what it takes to structure a more stable, secure, and confident retirement. Call Gary Hunt and request your copy of Income Allocation. 844-366-HUNT. That's 844-366-4866. Four eight six eight. Here is your new Pella Lifestyle window when open. Here it is, closed. The new Pella Lifestyle series is the number one performing wood window and patio door for sound control, energy efficiency, and value. Keep the outside noise outside. More peace and better rest for your family. Exceptional noise control for a quieter home. For a limited time, get $150 off windows and $500 off doors or 48 months no interest. Call 888-77-PELLA, PellaPittsburgh.com. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Community Bank. City Mission. Number One Cochrane. Highmark Stadium. Peters Township Community Center. Angelo's Restaurant. What do all these businesses have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for business. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Got a road closure in the Churchill area. This is 130, shut down with an accident between Long Road and Penny Drive. Plenty of delays on the parkway east from Forbes Avenue, outbound to Edgewood, Swissvale. Some typical volume on the inbound side. And we're slowing down as well on the parkway north, Mount Neva Road overpass up to 79. 79 slowing down northbound from the parkway north to 910. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. Partly cloudy tonight, warm and muggy, low 71. Tomorrow, sunshine will be mixed with some clouds. A hot and humid day, 93 degrees. A shower or thunderstorm will be around the area for the evening hours tomorrow night. Quite warm and steamy, low 77. And for Saturday, looking at a good deal of sunshine, staying very hot and humid with a high again of 93 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, the Democrats fulfilled a promise today. The House passed legislation for a $15 federal minimum wage. And Nancy Pelosi slobbered all over herself, talking about what a gift it will be to humanity. 
Well, not long ago on this show, we talked to Doug Holtz Eakin. He's a former director of the Congressional Budget Office. He was also John McCain's economic advisor. He doesn't think it's such a good idea. Doug, thanks for being here. My pleasure. So I think the Democratic candidates for president, um, all 37 of them, um, seem to be (laughs) unanimous on the minimum wage, and the magic number seems to be $15 an hour. Is this a popular idea because people genuinely think it'll work, or do you think it's because it's probably the easiest policy to demagogue, or maybe a little bit of both? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, it's been popular for quite some time. The, the fight for 15 is a nationwide effort that we've seen over the past at least five years. And in a number of states, there have been ballot initiatives with this uh, on the ballot, and, and they pass. So uh, whatever economists might think about this, the public likes it. Yeah, I, I heard a, a, one of the candidates just the other day say that the, the people uh, want a $15 minimum wage. It might, it might have been Bernie Sanders. And he was basing that on a poll or something. I said, well, why don't you ask them if they'd like $50 minimum wage? Of course they want it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and it's great to have a $15 minimum wage if you have a job. And that's always been the kicker. Uh, uh, will the same people have jobs if you have a $15 minimum wage? And all of the evidence in the research literature is no. Uh, you're going to hurt the capacity of some people to hire. But, you know, if, if you are opposed to it, you are portrayed by the people who are pushing it as not caring about people having a living wage. Yes, but I think that's not quite fair. Uh, think about what happens when you, you have a minimum wage and you raise it to $15. Um, there will be somebody out there, probably somebody who doesn't have a lot of skills, maybe not a lot of education or experience, and they won't get hired. So we will have taken that money from someone who probably really needs a job. They're inexperienced, unskilled, poorly educated, and giving that money to someone who has a job. Does that make sense? Uh, No. Uh, At the American Action Forum, you've determined that the increases in 2018, it says here, will end up costing 261,000 jobs. That's just the the increases, uh, I guess, across different states. Uh, How did they come up with that number? The, there's a large research literature of uh, economists looking at states, municipalities, nations who have raised their minimum wage, and you look primarily at the hiring decision. You don't really lay a bunch of people off when the minimum wage goes up. You find a way to hold on to your workers, but you don't hire any new ones. And so on average, you can sort of figure out for every percentage increase in minimum wage what, what the reduction in hiring will be. The statistical average is what we used for that. To put that in perspective, that's about two months' worth of hiring at rates that we're likely to see in in 2019. So it's good to have an economy that's generating a lot of jobs and making a minimum wage hike largely unnecessary. Wages are going up anyway. But do you really want to give away two months? That's the question. Yeah, and uh, and then it's, I think, uh, the minimum wage laws that have already been passed and the the ones that are being phased in, you've determined they're going to cost 1.7 million jobs. That's a lot of jobs. That's a lot of jobs, and that's because many of those who were, were put in place when the economy wasn't nearly as strong as it is right now, you know, it's, it's growing much more rapidly than it was even in 2016. Uh, many of them were put in place in places like Seattle and uh, Washington, D.C., and other large municipal areas where what will happen is businesses will just move outside the city uh, borders and, and do the hiring there. And so you get much more dramatic effects at those local levels. I think that happened in Seattle. I just saw a story the other day that um, somebody did a study just on Seattle, and the, and the minimum wage increase just killed them. Uh, there's a, you know, an, one of the interesting things about the Seattle experience is they actually passed the law, and they also funded the University of Washington, which is in Seattle, to study what happened. And the bad news is when they did study it, they concluded that it did hurt employment. And for those people who were actually um, in Seattle, they didn't make as much money with the minimum wage increase because they cut back their hours. So you've got less jobs, and for the people having jobs, you've got less in the way of income. Um, and, you know, what, what annoys me is that, um, that, that the, the people who are pushing this, and I'm talking about the politicians, the, one, the ones who are out front, and in this case, because of where we are in, the, uh, in politics, it's the Democratic candidates uh, – 
I I don't think Bernie Sanders has ever run a popsicle stand, or, and I don't know that he could. <laughs> uh, it, it's a fair it's a fair criticism. Uh, that that's true across the board in politics, making promises that you don't really understand the significance of. T- to me, it's not an interesting question. That would you like to be paid more? Everyone's going to say yes. Of course. The question is, what's a good way? To, to pay people more. And we have a good way already called the Earned Income Tax Credit, which says that if you work, you get additional help for every dollar that you make. It incentivizes people to get jobs and incentivizes them to make more money. It doesn't stop people from getting jobs and preclude them from making money. So how you do this matters as much as saying, do you want to make more? Yeah. And um, in the case of Bernie, he, he tweets about Walmart or McDonald's about once a day. And he, he always will point out how much the CEOs are making compared to the average worker, and he'll say, uh, "You can afford to pay your workers more." It's you know, and then just absolutely trashing the whoever the CEO happens to be for allowing people to work for what he calls starvation wages while he's making twenty-two million dollars a year. Is he really that dumb, or is he just that much of a demagogue? Again, is it a little bit of both? I think in politics, uh, things that work are things like fear and anger. And that's designed to make people angry. It's detached from the economics of the argument. The economics of the argument are where the jobs are, and that's in small businesses across the United States. Many of those McDonald's are franchises. They make their own decisions about who to hire and, and how mm-hmm. to handle their employees. And that's where people will or will not get jobs. And it doesn't really matter what the, the sort of language is about these large, rich people. And that's not going to matter. And I had somebody tell me just the other day when, uh, during a discussion about minimum wage, he said, I, I went to McDonald's just a little while ago and I ordered everything at a kiosk. Well, that's what happens if you get it really badly out of line. I mean, businesses who have been thinking about modernizing, thinking about uh, automating, thinking about doing something different, they say, okay, this is, our, this is the time to do it. When was the last time you talked to a bank teller? When was the last time you talked to an airline reservation clerk? When did you last time you, you know, yeah. uh, talked to someone at a fast food restaurant? But that, that just accelerates that. And those are the, the people most likely to be hurt. Those who work in eating and drinking places, retail sales, typically characterized by lesser skills, lower education, less experience. And I thought it was interesting. And, 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 the, and no. the one crowd that's really badly been hurt, I mean, just to, to complete that thought, teenagers. Teenagers oh, yeah. used mm-hmm. to be able to get jobs, and, and they, it's just uh, almost impossible now. Uh, and it's also, I think it's also just based anecdotally anyway from my own experience, uh, I think it's also hard to find teenagers who want a job. <laughs> I hate to say that. I mean, <laughs> there's a little bit of both going on with that. Um, I've had two of those. I understand the sentiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a guy a long, well, about probably 15 years ago, he, he had a supermarket. It was not a big chain, but he had a nice store. And he, this was 15, 20 years ago. He told me, he said, I, I can't find anybody to work. And he said, when I find a kid to work uh, and he's supposed to be here at four, they show up at 20 after. And they, they don't get it. They don't understand it. That's not how it works. And they don't understand why I'm upset. He's only 15 minutes late. And they went out of business. So, I mean, I don't know if that's why. But I, I always think of that when I think about teenagers getting jobs. I, I worked in a supermarket when I was a kid. And I I made a dollar twenty five an hour. That was 100 years ago. But... Uh, that was higher than the minimum wage back then. And uh, it was a job that people would kill for because it paid well. But I don't think that's happening now. But, you know, it's probably, again, it's a combination of both, I guess. Um, I I thought it was interesting that 75% of the jobs that, uh, according to the American Action for, uh, Forum, uh, according to them, that uh, 75% of them will be lost in New York and California, where the Democrats they could run uh, Bernie's wife for president and she'd win. Yeah, and, you know, it's a combination of extremely high uh, minimum wages, large populations of folks with lesser skills and lesser educations, and, you know, the capacity of people to move. So those states will give away those jobs. And, you know, to go back to your point, there's a, uh, a harder to quantify, more serious impact on people's careers, which is if you don't learn those lessons as a teenager, show up be on time, finish the job, go home. When do you learn them? Well, you wait until later, and then the minimum wage goes up even higher, and you'll end up with this big barrier to getting into the labor force, learning the things you need to be successful, and hurting your career as a whole. Like, you just don't see people climbing the ladder the way they should. And and if I'm the owner of a business, I'm not real anxious to pay a kid $15 an hour who 
doesn't see it's a big deal to show up 15 minutes late because he hasn't well, learned that you'll yet. Notice you know? they, they, they say $15 an hour because that doesn't sound that bad. How about 30000 bucks a year? That's for right. That's right. I said all the time. I said all the time. I said nobody's paying anybody thirty thousand dollars a year to flip hamburgers. It's just not going to happen. Now they'll say, well, that's not just one person, but it's still thirty thousand bucks a year. If you pay two kids fifteen dollars an hour, and they're each worth twenty, you're still paying thirty thousand dollars a year for a hamburger flipper. And Uh, yeah, and what do you think it's going to cost to automate flipping the hamburgers? Not much. You know that 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 that's that's the realistic choice facing a lot of business owners, and so. You don't just lose some jobs; you lose a whole category of jobs. We're talking to Doug Holtz Eakin of the. He's the president of the American Action Forum. Um, so, uh, California went for an eight percent increase from seven twenty-five to uh, not eight percent, eighty-seven percent increase from seven twenty-five to uh, fifteen dollars an hour. Is that about as drastic as it gets? That's about as drastic as it gets, and you know that's just a huge shock to the labor market and to the business hiring decisions. You, you know, overnight, not of your own decision, you're faced with a much bigger bill for the people you have, and you've got to figure out what do I do to come up with that money. Well, certainly you stop hiring. We see that in the data. You see pressure on prices, right? You're going to have to say, well, I hate to do this, but I'm going to have to raise prices for my stuff. Probably can't get away with that entirely. That means you start skimping on the other things you need to put into your business. You don't have a choice about your taxes, so that's out, but right. you've got to pay your rent. Maybe you don't actually you know, buy new equipment. You pass up a cycle. Now you're not as good a business. Chances of failure, much larger. Those jobs are gone entirely if you fail. The dynamics are very important, and people miss that when they just look at uh, the snapshot that says that that's a well-deserving person who we should pay fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, and eighty-seven percent from seven twenty-five to fifteen dollars—you just doubled your labor labor costs, not yeah. yours, somebody yeah. else's. If you pass the law, you know what does Bernie yeah, Sanders care? Um, I, you can do a lot of things, but you won't double double labor productivity overnight. So, how are you going to manage that? That's a big, big economic hit. Uh, and the, the projection that California will lose one point two million jobs. By 2025, uh, is that directly as a result of the minimum wage increase? That's projections according to the American Action Forum. That's using the historical evidence on what happens when you raise the minimum wage and uh, applying it to the California business environment. You know, How many workers do they have? What's the skills? And, and what's the raise in the minimum wage? So uh, that's a... It, is that exactly right? Of course not. But it tells you the magnitude of the kind of impact that this can have. But, uh, Doug, here's the thing, though. I, I mean, this all seems so obvious to me. Um, and if you take the uh, – but you have to take the emotion out of it, I guess, in order to see how obvious it actually it is. So uh, they're going to be making this argument from now till 2020. They'll be making it forever, actually. What is the argument that they make that they uh, – I mean, I'm sure that there's some of them out there who are actually – uh, genuinely believe that that the minimum wage can be raised and it will be, be good for everybody. What what the, what is it that makes them think it will work? And has it ever worked anywhere before? It, it's never worked. Um, I I can't honestly answer what they believe will make it work. Because here's the important insight: if you and I get together and decide we're going to raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour, there's no more money than there was before. It's the same money. It's not like we magically also created the money to pay it. So you're going to have to take it from someone else. So this is, in the end, fundamentally a question of, who am I going to rob to, to raise the $15 an hour? So they never talk about that, that part. Well, so no, the, Something has to go away. Bernie that Sa- makes it seem like it's magic. No, Bernie Sanders says you just take it from the CEO who's making $20 million a year. I mean, I actually think he, I mean, I, I hope he's not that stupid, but he's a senator. I, I hope he's not so, that stupid, but he actually says it all the time, that that's where the money's going to come from. Let, let's go back to uh, the, the point you made, which is the right point. Um, that's emotion. That mm-hmm. I am going to be able to, to get even with that CEO, and I'm going to give it to this deserving individual. And, and you and I would agree, that's a, probably a great person. Like, we'd love for them to make more money. Sure. But it's not in the numbers. We only have a one CEO per company, and we might have thousands of entry-level workers. And the arithmetic just doesn't add up. i got about a minute and a half left here, Doug. I'm against the hard break. Should there ever be a role for the government in determining what an employer pays his employees? 
I'm, I believe the answer to that is probably yes to avoid extreme exploitation of the type that we rarely see in the U.S., but I, I can understand that argument. I think the more realistic question is, who should make this decision? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer should be closer to the ground uh, always. And so if a municipality decides they want to have a higher minimum wage, okay, fine. I can choose to locate my business outside of that or go somewhere else. That's their decision. That's what Seattle did. I think it's unwise. They're going to lose a lot of jobs, but they did it. When the federal government says everybody, no escape, has to pay $15 an hour, that's something that's done without recognition of what's going on in Pittsburgh or Philadelphia or any place in in Pennsylvania in terms of do people have jobs? Are these economies growing? We know there are differences across uh, the state. Those should be reflected in the kinds of things you do. Uh, I got about 30 seconds now. I just wonder if uh, kids are being taught in school that the minimum wage being raised is a good idea, because I have a feeling they are. These teenagers. The ra- uh, it, it is a good idea until you start figuring out where the money comes from. Yeah. And, and then it turns into a uh, not very good idea. Hey, Doug, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay, we'll be right back. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. A woman done left and took all the reason I was working for. We're talking to Rocky Blyer. He's involved with the Miracle League of Moon Township and the construction of a Miracle League athletic field. The fields are designed to make it possible for kids with special needs to play sports. Every child, no matter what the situation, deserves a chance to be able to play, to compete, and have a place that's safe, takes care of needs, that's organized. This will be the fourth Miracle League field that will be built. Now we've got four places to be able to travel, so it broadens the whole interest of sports. It's just terrific for a community to do that. There's a buddy system I thought was pretty impressive. What's that all about? Kids with special needs have a buddy, a child who's in school. It's like having an older brother or sister involved with you. So it's really good in that everybody has human dignity of being able to participate. The website is miraclesinmoon.org. Check it out and let's help make this dream a reality. Hey, Rocky, thanks. And uh, we'll be talking hey. to you again about this project. Appreciate you coming on to talk about it. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Take it easy. Rocky Blyer, and we'll be right back. You watch what you eat. You're hitting the gym. You're doing your best to live a healthy life. But did you know that a bad night's sleep and a bad mattress can have a big impact on your health? Here at the Original Mattress Factory, our hand-built mattresses made of the highest quality materials provide the comfort and support needed to provide healthy sleep for years to come. To learn more about how the right mattress can help you achieve healthy sleep habits, visit OriginalMattress.com or stop by an Original Mattress Factory store near you. The gimmicks, the flashy sales, and the big markups. Mattress stores have made the mattress shopping experience confusing on purpose. Ron Trzinski started the Original Mattress Factory to create a better way. He raised the bar on quality, offered hand-built mattresses for a fraction of the cost, and ditched the high-pressure sales tactics all to create a better mattress buying experience for you. You could say he was the original disruptor. Stop by an Original Mattress Factory store or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. Recent storms have done a number on Pittsburgh homes and businesses. This is John Steigerwald. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. All you have to do is visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. Why pay twice as much with other companies? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at windowsoruspittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off at windowsoruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsoruspittsburgh.com. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday right here on the John Steigerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Did you buy into the timeshare lies? I can tell you that I had a four-year experience with a timeshare corporation who did nothing but lie to me. That swapping locations was easy? They made this sound that this would be a really good deal. 
that I could go anywhere, anytime I wanted to. That never worked out. Timeshare lies. Thousands of timeshare owners know the feeling. I'm Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I worked for the largest timeshare company in the world. When I learned the truth about what they were selling, I quit my job and instead became the pioneer in helping folks get out of their timeshare contracts legally. I understand that trusting anyone after buying a timeshare is a difficult task. That's why I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. For a free information kit on how to cancel your timeshare, call Wesley Financial Group now. 800-656-1551. 800-656-1551. This is the John Stacker Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. So, um... I hope you were able to hear uh, John F. Kennedy's speech from uh, 1962, 57 years ago. Um, and I, I just hope you were able to hear that uh, and hear you know, what the kinds of things that he was saying and what was being talked about in America. Because at Colorado, and I want you to compare it to this. I only have about a minute left. Colorado State University now claims that America or American, those two words should not be used in their inclusive language guide. Uh, It says both America and American are not inclusive words to avoid due to the fact that America encompasses more than just the U.S. And by referring to the U.S. as America, the guide claims that one, quote, erases other cultures and depicts the United States as the dominant American country. The school suggests using U.S. citizen or person from the U.S. as substitutes. Uh, That's where we are. We were talking about going to the moon and what a great country America is. And now on college campuses, people who are supposed to be smarter than you uh, are telling kids not to use the words America and American. Here's some other uh, words that they really would prefer you didn't use on the campus there. Male, female, ladies and gentlemen, Mr., Mrs., and Ms. Also, war, cakewalk, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, Eskimos, freshmen, Hip, hip, hooray. I'd love to figure out why they can't use hip, hip, hooray. Uh, But starving's not a good one. So if you say, boy, I'm starving, let's go get something to eat. Bad. Bad. I don't know if there's any penalty for it, but that's where we are now in America in 2019. A long way from JFK that you heard about 45 minutes ago. See you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.